Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. That was beautiful. Thank you. In your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 2, we have begun a brand new series on how to live the Christian life. It came up in my Sunday school class this morning. I have a class for new members or people that are new to the church and interested in what goes on here and why we do what we do. And it came up in that class this morning that I've been saved. and I really hadn't thought about it. Probably over 50 years now. And uh, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. Being a Christian is the best life you can possibly live. But even at that, we live it in a sin-cursed world. As Christians, I believe by following the Bible, we avoid much of the pitfalls that unsaved people fall into, and we uh, don't experience so much of the drama that they experience. Nonetheless, as I just said, we live in a sin-cursed world, and as I've said many times before from this pulpit, even as Christians, our car batteries go dead. So we live in a real world, and as Christians, we need to have a proper understanding that Living the Christian life requires that we put some effort into it. I mean, the Lord paid it all on the cross, making it possible for us to get saved. But once we're saved, he gives us the word of God. He gives us the Bible, which we are to follow. We are to implement. You know, let me illustrate it this way. You know, I love fresh vegetables from a garden, with one exception, don't yell at me, ladies. Tomatoes. I, a groan. There, I, there was an audible groan there. Ooh. But I, I, what I really like is fresh green beans from a garden. And you put little potatoes in there, new potatoes. And the way my wife fixes it, southern style, about eight pounds of bacon. Fry it up, put it there in the green beans. You know, that's all the fruit and benefit of a, of a garden. But you folks, and many of you folks have your own gardens, you know that you have to maintain it. You have to tend to it to fully enjoy the benefits. You can't go out and plant the seeds in the spring and just come back later that summer and just hope to find it. No, there's, there's going to need to be some attention, some, some watering, some, some weeding, and, and, and some fertilizing for you to enjoy the benefits. And it's similar in the, in the Christian life. To enjoy the benefits of the Christian life, it's going to take some, some maintenance. It's going to take you doing your part. God has made us with, with a free will. We, 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 can, we, we have choice, and that gives us the opportunity to freely love him. So when it comes to living the Christian life, we have to understand that we bear some responsibility. And the Bible is very clear about that. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us, In verses 1 and 2. This is our responsibility. This is how we maintain our spiritual garden. To enjoy and reap the benefits from it. 
Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. We are given two responsibilities there that show us how to live the Christian life. There are some things that you and I have to lay aside. And if you don't lay them aside, guess what? Your garden's not going to produce like you want it to produce, like you know it can produce. And it also says there, desire. There's some things you're supposed to desire. And if you don't desire them, your garden's not going to produce. And it's not going to be the sun's fault. You know, it's not going to be the earth's fault. It's going to be our fault. Now, when we talk about living a Christian life, I want to ask a question. Why would anyone want to live a Christian life? Now, to those of you, those of us that are saved, that seems like a silly question. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you've never been born again, you've obviously chosen not to live a Christian life. So for you, it's a legitimate question. If you're here this morning, you're not saved, you're not born again, it's a very legitimate question to you. Why would you want to live that Christian life? Well, let me answer that question with a question, would you rather go through life as a blind person or as a person with sight? If the answer is you'd rather go through life with sight, then that is the reason you'd want to live a Christian life. Because only Christians have true light. Everyone else, including anyone in this room that's not saved, you need to understand that you're spiritually blind. And according to the Bible, you are walking in darkness. John eight twelve. It says, Then Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And what the Lord is saying there, and what you read from this is, If you don't follow me, the light, you will walk in darkness. So how would I try to convince you that you want to be a Christian, you should be a Christian, that's the better way to go? Well, it's not only that you get saved and therefore have a home in heaven and you're not going to spend eternity in hell, but it means that while you're living this life here on this earth, however many years the Lord gives you, you can walk in light and not in darkness. You know, This would explain why there's so much drama in the world. This explains why there's so much anger and so much bitterness in the world. This explains why there's so many massive problems in the world today with with so many issues. Now, as I've already stated, to be sure, (coughs) in this life, bad things can happen to save people. People that are both living a Christian life and the non-Christian life, bad things can happen to them. But it is a fact that spiritually blind people are at a much higher risk of experiencing drama and disappointment and depression and anger and all the attendant pain and disappointments that come with that. It is a fact. It is a documented fact. Sociologists, psychologists have documented this, that Christians who walk in spiritual light are much less prone to have drama in their lives. In fact, they're they're much more likely to live healthier, longer 
lives. Saved people will experience some setbacks, disappointments. They come from living in a sinful world. But the spiritual sight that God gives us at salvation allows Christians to see things what the unsaved people can't see. We are walking in light. And therefore, we warn people. That's why I get up here and say, you should not do this. I can see it. Why do they do it anyway? Because they can't see it. They're walking in darkness. So if you're here this morning, before we talk about how to live the Christian life, let me first tell you that it's something you ought to desire. And you'll have that opportunity when we come to the close of the service this morning. We'll get up, we'll stand, and Brother Tom will sing. And at that time, I'll invite you to come forward, and I'll put you with somebody privately. You can go to a side room. We wouldn't embarrass you for the world. And there someone will tell you just how simple it is to become a believer. So, we need to understand, those of you that are Christians, your role your part. And it might be that you're thinking this morning, you know, I got saved, but you know, I still have a lot of drama in my life. And it's not what it's cracked up to be. It just might be that you don't know how to live the Christian life. And the Lord has placed you here this morning to hear this message to remind you, wait a minute, you got to do your part. God will do his part. The only question is, are you doing your part? Now in 1 Peter 2 and 1, First uh, Peter 2, verse number 1, and verse number 2, here's our part. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk, milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Let's look at three things this ver- these two verses teach us. Number one, to live the Christian life, you have to clean house. Or if we want to use our garden metaphor. You, you, you got to get the weeds out, okay? You got to do it. And you can't excuse them being there. Look at what he says in verse number one. Wherefore, laying aside, there's some things you need to get rid of. When Sharon moved out to the house where we live now up in, in, in Curran, you know, our, our garage was just filled with stuff from the old house. And we started going through it because there was all sorts of clutter in there. And, and, and there were some things that, that, that did not serve us well at that time that we needed to get rid of. Particularly when Sharon found old love letters from a girl before her that I had no idea was still there. <laughs> and as Gomer would say, so she's like, what's this? I didn't know you still had letters from her. I said, I didn't either. <laughs> and uh, we promptly got rid of those, didn't we, Sharon? And Bill, very happy to get rid of those, by the way. But I mean, but there, there was so much more stuff, okay? There, there was so much more stuff there that needed to get rid of. It, it's just a problem. And it, it gets in the way. I mean, there's a fire hazard. It could have been in our garage from having all that stuff there. And Peter is saying here, there's some clutter that we need to get rid of. That's your responsibility, And you can ignore it. You can make excuses. That's just to your peril because life can be so much better when you obey God's word. And Peter lists some of that clutter that you need to get rid of if you're going to live the Christian life to its fullest. He lists those things. He lists malice. That's wickedness directed at other people. 
guile. That's when you take advantage of other people. You know, that's when you say, boy, he had his guile or she had her, she had her guile to, to, to do that. That's taking advantage of others. Hypocrisy, living a counterfeit life. Envy, that's ill will directed at the success of others. Not being happy for somebody that they got a new car, but being envious of them and say, they don't deserve it. Or evil speaking, that's just slander, gossip, cursing, and you you know what that's talking about. To live the Christian life, you have to get rid of everything that is contrary to the Christian life. We need to understand that. Are any of those things in your life right now? It's working against you. Those are weeds in the garden. You're not going to have the harvest that you see other Christians having who understand their part and work to get rid of these things. And it may not be easy. And you may need some help in overcoming them. But if any of these things are in your life, it's working against you. It's not bringing you joy. It's not bringing you peace. I love these quotes. John MacArthur says, the Christian's new life can't grow unless sins are renounced. And another quote that I've heard for years, I don't know who to attribute it to, but he says, you have to give up to go up. You have to give up to go up. Did you notice something interesting about that list that Peter gives us of the things that we have to get out of our lives, the weeds we have to get out of our gardens? You know, malice, guile, hypocrisy, evil speaking, envy. You know something interesting about that? Those are typically and for the most part relational sins. Sins that have to do with our relationships with people. Malice, guile. I mean, he's not talking about here adultery. I mean, of course, that's a sin. You know, anything like that. It's talking about malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking. There are lots of sins that we need to get rid of. But in many cases, it's these are the kinds of sins that exist most often in Christians and among Christians. You see, the average Christian, as far as I know in this room, you know, we, we don't have bank robbers in here. We, we don't have, you know, it's inconceivable that we have a murderer in this room. Are those sins? Yes. But are those sins that are typically common to the people that Peter's writing to, believers? Probably not. But could it be that the people he was writing it for then and who it's intended for now could be in this room guilty of malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking? Yeah. In fact, it's quite likely that while we have no murderers in this room, no bank robbers in this room, it's very likely that any one of us could be guilty of any one of a number of these sins. I like this quote. The way we treat one another has a direct impact on our relationship with God. As long as we harbor these relational sins and wrong attitudes, we will never grow spiritually. These relational sins, I love the way this guy puts it, are like junk food of the soul. They choke off our craving for the word so that instead of growing, we stay just as we are. You know, you think about that for a second. I've got 40 years or more of experience in ministry. 
And it's true. People that through the years I've known to be guilty of either malice or guile or hypocrisy, envy or evil speaking, they will find, because of that, they're not so likely to go to church. They're just rubbed the wrong way. They got a bad spirit. And what are they doing? They're missing out on what's going to be said in just a second. Desire the, the sincere milk of the word. You know, that, that's God's word. So, folks, if that's in your heart today, you, you, you need to deal with that. You, you need to repent. Of, don't make excuses. If, if any of these things that are listed here are in your life, I'm trying to tell you how to live the Christian life. You've got to get rid of it. That is your responsibility. Don't wait for somebody to wave some kind of magic wand or something. No, take ownership of this. Don't make excuses for it. Don't blame it on the way you were raised or, you know, they deserve the way I feel towards them. No, you're just digging your own hole deeper and deeper and deeper. Number one, to live the Christian life, you have to clean house. That's part of us tending that garden. Number two, He says here in this passage, to live the Christian life, you have to realize you are a new baby, a a new person. Verse number one, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guiles and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. You must now, as a saved person, view yourself as someone different. The old life that you used to live has been rendered dead. You have experienced the second birth. You're you're now a new person in Jesus Christ. You are not that old person. And you have to realize that you are a, a, you know, someone different. And you have to put these things off. You know, it's like you, you get dirty. You've been working hard all day. You're dirty. You're sweaty. You go take a shower, you feel like a new man. As a sinner, you feel dirty. You get saved, you take a spiritual shower, if you will, and you feel like a new person spiritually. You're a new person in Christ. You're new. You, you have to view yourself as a new person. You have to view yourself as a, as a baby Christian, and that's a good thing. Everybody loves a beautiful new baby Talking about Val, her dad, you know, Val had her little baby girl sitting back here after the service the other day. And what a beautiful little little person this is, Uh, a new life in front of them, a new beginning. And so it is for us when you get saved. The Lord describes you as as a baby. That's That's a new beginning. That's a new start. Do not be shackled to your past. Do not be shackled to your past misjudgments and your past failings. The old you was blind in sin. The old you was walking in darkness. That's why those things happen. The old you was of your father, the devil. The new you can now see. The new you is walking in light. The new you now has a heavenly father. Remember the old you used to call the shots. The old you used to make the decisions. The old you used to be the decision maker, the old you used to be self-willed. But look at what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
You need to understand in order to live the Christian life, the old you is dead. The new you is a baby in Christ. And as a baby in Christ, when you realize that, that's going to set you on the right path. As a newborn baby, you realize you need help. Babies need help. And when you realize you're a new baby in Christ, it's important for you to realize, I need help. That's a good thing. You realize that you are dependent, as babies are. (coughs) And as a newborn baby, you realize you have limitations. And the realization of those things doesn't demean you or put you down. It puts you in a position to be helped. Helped by a pastor. Helped by fellow Christians. Helped by the Word of God. Helped by the Holy Spirit. You know, we got to be careful that we're, you know, too proud. I'm, I'm, I'm not a baby. I'm my own man. I'm a self-made man or, or woman, whatever the case may be. You know, that's not the way God describes new Christians. God describes us as a baby because he wants you to understand that you are a new creature. You are dependent. You need help. You have limitations. And when, you're, when you understand that, you can get that help. You are dependent on the Lord. You are dependent on the Holy Spirit. And you are then in a position to grow. I like this quote. This verse, talking about the one we just read, should also teach us our true attitude towards God. Throw yourself on him with the abandonment of a baby. Give to him the responsibility of choosing for you, directing you, and protecting you. Quit being proud. Quit being too proud to seek for help. You're like a baby if you're a new Christian. You're supposed to seek for help. Don't, don't be too proud to think that, you know, uh, people are going to make fun of me. No, no, they're not. You know, people will be concerned for you if they see the pride in your life. No, understand that you're a baby in Christ, and that puts you in a good position if you're looking to the Lord to nurture you, to sustain you, to protect you, and to guide you. And we need to come to that understanding as Christians, we are new creatures in Christ. So to live the Christian life, number one, our responsibility is to clean house. And we listed those sins. Not excuse them, but to clean house. Number two, according to this passage, to live the Christian life, you have to realize you are a new baby. Proud people just, you know, It's like a child. I don't need my mom. I don't need my dad. I'm going to do what I want to do. And they get on the bicycle and they run into a wall or they touch the hot stove. And, you know, then you realize I I need mom and dad. No, proud people suffer. But when you realize, hey, I'm a new Christian, I've got a lot to learn. Lord, show me. I'm all ears. You know, I want to spend time in your word. I want to be in church. You're on on your way to being blessed. And then lastly this morning, number three. To live the Christian life, you must gain daily nourishment from the Word of God. 1 Peter 2.1 Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes, what? Desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. Do you have a desire? a longing for the Word of God. 
if you just show up on Sunday morning at church occasionally and that is it for you, well, I'm glad you're here. But as a pastor who's supposed to shoot straight with you, let me tell you, that's indicative that you don't desire the sincere milk of the word. I mean, babies don't get by with one meal a week. And spiritual babies can't get by on one service a week. Newborn babies desire one thing more than anything else, and that's milk. Milk is their nourishment whereby they grow. And without it, in those first days and weeks, they will die. For the Christian, we need to understand, like a baby to which we have been compared... Our source of nourishment is the milk of the Word. That's talking about the Bible. Desire the sincere milk of the Word. That means (coughs) to have a strong desire for something. It means to long for, to have a great affection for, yearn for something, or yearning for someone. That's what that word desire means. You have a desire for the Word of God. That means, in practical ways, that you're reading your Bible daily. And it's like the highlight of your day. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's the source of such encouragement. It is the source of such nourishment. It means that you come to church and you, you love to hear a preacher get up and, you know, preach the Word of God. And is that not what I'm doing this morning? What are we focusing on this morning? We're focusing on two verses. We're spending a lot of time on two verses. I am giving you that milk this morning. And I promise you, to the best of my ability, and I'm sure I fall short sometimes, there's no doubt about it, but I I try. That is my heart's desire. That's going to be my heart's desire this afternoon when you come back. It's to nourish you with the milk of the Word. A couple quotes One writer said, I quickly learned that newborn infants don't simply prefer things. They desperately desire things. Do you see what Peter is saying here? It is not enough that we prefer the Bible to other books. That's a great statement. It is not enough that we like and respect the Bible. Peter says that those who have experienced new births should long for the pure milk of the word. And another quote. Just as our bodies need food, so our souls need spiritual food. Without it, we become malnourished and weak, susceptible to every temptation and unable to do the work God calls us to do. Where do we find this spiritual food? In the Bible. God's Word. Last week when we closed the message, I closed with a story. I'll do the same thing again this morning. A story that emphasizes the importance of the Bible. I could tell it, but I, I think I can, it'll be more meaningful if I just read this story. Patrick was an Irish Catholic who for years had longed for the assurance of peace with God. A visiting tourist who fell in conversation with him left him a copy of the New Testament. Through reading this, Patrick was brought to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and from that time on, read and studied his testament with eagerness, ever seeking deeper knowledge of the things of God. (coughs) The parish priest, who had missed him from the regular services, called on him and found him deep in the study of the word. Patrick, he said, 
What is that book you're reading? Sure, your reverence, was the reply. It's the New Testament. In a horrified response, the priest exclaimed, The New Testament? Why, Patrick, that's not a book for the likes of you. You'll be getting all kinds of wild notions from reading it. But your reverence, said Pat, I've just been reading here. It's the blessed apostle Peter himself that wrote it. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And I'm a newborn babe in Christ, and it's the milk of the word I'm after. So I can't see any harm of reading the Testament. Ah, said the priest, it's perfect true, Patrick, that you need the milk of the word. But the Almighty has appointed the clergy to be the milkmen. The clergy go to the college and the seminary and learn the meaning of the word. And then when the people come to the church, we give it to them as they are able to hear it and explain it in a way that they won't misunderstand. Well, sure, your reverence, said Patrick. You know, I kept a cow of my own out there in the barn... And when I was sick some time ago, I had to hire a man to milk the cow. And I soon found he was stealing half the milk and filling the other half up with water. And it sure made for awful weak milk. But now, I'm well again. And I let him go. And I'm milking my own cow. And so it's the rich milk I'm getting and not the watered-down milk. And your reverence, when I was dependent on you for the milk of the word, it was the watery stuff you were giving me. But now I'm milking my own cow and enjoying the milk I get from that cow. I think that illustrates beautifully your responsibility. When we get saved, it is all of the Lord. He paid the price in total for our salvation. But when we walk with the Lord once we're saved, we bear some responsibilities. He knows we live in a sin-cursed world with problems all around us. So he says, there are some things I want you to do. I want you to clean your spiritual life, clean house. It's important then for you also, if you really want the blessings of living a Christian life in this sin-cursed world, to realize you are a new person in Christ. You are a baby in Christ. And when you understand that, you will become dependent upon me. You will look to me. You will trust me. And that is so much in your favor. And he tells us you must gain nourishment from the word of God. All of those are our responsibilities. So let me challenge you with this practical application. What this should inspire you, motivate you, or convict you to do this morning. Because I want, to leave, I want you to leave better than you came. Okay, a better There's no more valuable time spent than in God's word and in God's house. Okay? 
was you should go away with a determination to read and study your Bible daily. It may start off just five minutes a day. It might be one verse a day. But to spend some time every day in God's Word. Number two, be under the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. I mean, you know, if, if somebody were handing out gold coins and you didn't go get those gold coins, I would think something's wrong with you. If they're free, somebody hand out gold coins, you know, why wouldn't you go? There'd be something wrong with you if you didn't. I, you, tell me, I'll go. <laughs> I'll go get a handful of those. But what does it say? Because probably every person in this room would say, yeah, I'd be there. You know, sure, I'm passing out gold coins, you know, uh, down at family fair between two and four. Yeah, everybody's going to be there. Well, Wednesday night we're passing out gold. Ten o'clock on Sunday morning we're passing out gold. Eleven o'clock on Sunday morning. One thirty on Sunday afternoon, we're passing out gold. What logical reason can you give me for not being there? Oh, but real gold is far more valuable. Oh, oh. you have some misunderstanding of truth there. You're, you're, You're telling me something there. We love you. We want you to be blessed. This preacher is pulling for you and your family and your children. And when I encourage you to be in God's house, it's because, to the best of my ability, I'm going to try to preach to you the Word. What have we emphasized this morning? We have emphasized two verses. That's, That's how valuable we see the Word. I mean, those two verses have taken up this entire message this morning. So number one, read and study your Bible daily. Number two, be under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And number three, take advantage of special opportunities. Those are not burdens. Those are blessings. We just had a revival, and most all of you did. Many of you were here every service of the revival. That speaks so well of you that you understand the value of that. And I appreciate all the good comments and compliments that you gave uh, for the evangelist. Whether it's revivals or Bible studies, the the ladies that are taking part in the two Bible studies that are going on right now. These these folks are getting something far richer than physical gold. Our podcasts these days, I mean, when I, you know, we got about a 20-minute ride, Sharon and I. It used to be 25 minutes until they changed the speed limit up there. And so it's uh, a little bit quicker getting to church now. But, you know, that's time that I can, if you will, pan for gold, or maybe I got a different metaphors going here. Excuse me, Sharon, metaphors going here. She corrected me. She said, you say metaphor. You sound like some hick southerner. Well, <laughs> metaphor. I got a couple metaphors going here. You know, I can tend the garden. You know, I, I, I listen to a lot of preaching, a lot of podcasts, and I, I love that my wife is interested too. She, she listens right along with me and, and, and love it. We'll listen to preaching or, or uh, podcasts about ministry and pastoring and what have you. That's time well spent. What's your responsibility that I'm going to challenge you with this morning? Straight from the Word of God. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all speakings, 
that's your response. If, if that's in your life right now, I plead with you, get rid of it. Don't excuse it. And then number two, as newborn babes realize that you don't know it all, that God loves you and he'll take you by the hand and he'll lead you, just trust him. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Life doesn't get any better than that. The world offers nothing in comparison to that. Don't be deceived. You grow through the sincere milk of the word. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.